on the first Sunday in Lent, five weeks ago now, I invited us to consider what it would be like if, as a Lenten practice, we tried to experience one wanton experience of pleasure each day. Now, there were some caveats about that invitation, and before I go there, a little backstory for those of you who weren't able to be here that Sunday. I recounted a conversation that took place over a decade ago with an Anglican priest from London, a member of the Church of England, while I was attending an international gathering of spiritual directors in Ghent, Belgium, in my then role as Executive Director of Spiritual Directors International. Lent was just around the corner, and he and I were talking about practices that were practiced in the American Church and in the Church of England. And he said for him that Lent was a time to embrace pleasure in an entirely new way. I was stopped and dumbfounded. Pleasure? I remember chuckling and saying, pleasure? Really? Pleasure? That was probably the last word I was expecting to hear and the furthest emotion I had associated ever with that season or this season. But as I've sat with it, it began to make sense, and maybe that's it. Pleasure is allowing that which is vital in us but dormant to take center stage, to be honored, reverenced, and valued, if you will. So five weeks ago, I invited you and I to consider what it would be like as a practice to do one wanton act of pleasure each day. But I did provide a container with some caveats. Pleasure isn't something that's self-focused or self-absorbed. Rather, it carries the full meaning of that word, which is happiness, delight, joy, gladness and glee, satisfaction, gratification, amusement, enjoyment, contentment. A wanton act of pleasure could be simply a walk in the park, a hike up to Mount Davidson, a stroll along the beach, a meal with a good friend or a beloved. A wanton act of pleasure could be simply talking with someone by phone with whom you haven't talked with for years, or a wonderful cup of coffee by yourself or with another. Pleasure could be seeing a movie or a play, attending a book reading, or listening to an intriguing lecture. It might be reading a good book, listening to some music that really moves your soul, taking you outside yourself for just a brief moment to be inside yourself. It may mean making love. It may mean stopping and breathing and being aware of the gift of your own breath. It may mean loving someone or being loved in a totally new way. It may mean telling another how important and loved he or she is to you. A wanton act of pleasure is anything that makes your soul shimmer and your spirit warm when your heart opens to another reminding you, reminding me, reminding us that we're alive. To get out of the way of ourselves so we can encounter our most true self, which was vulnerable and open to this mystery we call God.
So I'm wondering, how are we doing? How are we doing? Did you forget? Or only remember for a few days? I know we talked about it at our Lenten retreat, so people were remembering at least five days. Or did you find it easier to get pulled and wrapped up about fretting and worrying about what's not working rather than basking and taking pleasure in what is? It's all our choice, you know. And to be honest, I could go literally nuts if I worried about what's going on regarding the lack of civility in our political arena right now. I have to admit, the more I listen to and look at Justin Trudeau and Canada, things are looking pretty wonderful across the border. (laughs) But I'm choosing not to go there, but to be here, embodied in the present moment. Last week, at Companions on the Inner Way Retreat, our speaker, Fred Luskin, professor at Stanford University and founder, director of their Forgiveness Project, reminded us that when we become myopic, focusing only on our smell, our smell, our small self, (laughs) focusing on our small self, our little ego, we lose the opportunities of growing into our larger self, which is the place of humility before God. When we stop, he said, look outside and take nature in. When we breathe deeply and allow ourselves to really feel our bodies and experience our environment to really relish the tastes and smells and sensations that are all around us, we begin to change. And when this happens, we become agents of change in our world. Now, change is glacial, Fred said, and we all know this. It takes time. It's incremental, but it does occur. You know, the thing about a spiritual practice, for it to work, is that we have to do it. So how are you doing? I had asked myself that, this question. So I found that these past five weeks, I've been a little bit more content I wouldn't say 100%, I don't want to lie, but I'm more content with myself than I was six weeks ago, more content with my environment, more content with my body, my back has been reminded me of that, more content of my weaknesses and my strength, and this has been leading me to be more content and at peace in my relationship with God. And if Lent, is about anything. It's about developing a peace within ourselves in the presence of the presence. Our gospel this morning, I'm sure some of you thought, is he ever going to get there, is from St. John. And as we pick it up where Jesus is in Bethany visiting his dear friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Listen now to this account from the 12th chapter of St. John. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There, they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at table with Jesus. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, 
anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and he kept the common purse for the community of the disciples and used to steal from what was put in it. Jesus said, Leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor, but you will not always have me. Judas. Poor Judas. He was so focused on what wasn't working on his small self that he missed the wanton act of pleasure that was taking place right in front of him. Mary did a phenomenal thing. It was extravagant beyond belief. She took very expensive nard perfume, and in John's gospel, it is Judas who puts a price tag to it, 300 denarii, which means nothing to us, but for all of those in the house, they knew exactly what it meant. It was a year's salary, meaning this is priceless. Jesus saw her take the nard. Jesus saw her coming over to him, kneeling before him. He knew what she was going to do. He could have stopped her, but he didn't. In that moment, he allowed himself to be touched. In that moment, he opened himself to have his feet cared for and caressed. In that moment, through that act, I believe we gain a glimpse into the very heart and intention God has for each of us. In that public display of extravagant love, the veil between heaven and earth is lifted ever so, ever so slightly. As Mary anointed Jesus' feet, sweet fragrance filled the room. Everyone is watching, but silent. What they witnessed was the miracle of presence. What they witnessed in the midst of their concerns of going to Jerusalem was the miracle of touch. What they witnessed and what we are invited to see and get is a wanton act of pleasure, caring and caressing another with an extravagance that can only speak of the presence of God. What if, just what if, we cared for each other like that? What if we had such an extravagant heart to every person we met, starting with the people we know, starting with the people we love, and then moving on to the people we might not love so much, that that would allow us to then move on to the strangers, the people we don't yet know? What if we gave ourselves away in love? Mary's act was an act of love, but it was a new kind of love. It was one that was expansive, extravagant, and free. Love, wrote Eric Fromm, means to commit oneself without guarantee, to give oneself completely in the hope that our love will produce love in the person we are loving. Think about that. 
you are giving yourself away in love with the hope that the love you're giving will produce love in the person receiving your love. It's reciprocal. And it's glacial. It's incremental. But think about what changes when a heart opens to love. Fromm said that love is an act of faith. And whoever is of little faith is of little love. Mary's love was large and expansive. Judas, on the other hand, hmm, not so much. Mary modeled those words that we heard earlier from the prophet Isaiah that Meg read. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Today, my friends, we are invited not to get trapped in what was or what isn't working or what is small or what is life-draining as we open ourselves to the new thing the Spirit is doing in, through, and among us. I am doing a new thing, says our God. Do you not? Do you not perceive it? What might be the new thing that God is doing in you or trying to do in you? What is the new thing that God is doing in, through, and among us? Might it be might it be a wanton act of pleasure where we can express the very extravagance of God without fear, without apprehension, but with an open heart and an open hand? How might our lives be if we lived this way? The choice is ours.